tonight on Whiskey Waffle. My name's Ted and I'm crazy for whiskey. No, don't do the accent, but grow some dreadlocks. And the reaction from him was like, what? We poured ourselves normal sized drams. Actually, that's quite a big dram. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Nick. Yes. Are you going to say my name back or are we going to... Oh, no, you, you don't have a name. Uh, yeah. Ted. Yes, hello. That hello. is me. Hello. Yeah, how's it going? Yeah, good. So I was I was at uh, Pilates um, just earlier tonight, as you do. Very manly pursuit. Yeah, yeah. Ted, Ted loves a bit of Pilates. Yeah, trying to keep limber. But t- oh, tell you what, mate. Um, we're, doing, we're doing leg work and my ankle was feeling a bit stiff. Which, um, you know, reminds me of about something. Uh, it doesn't now. So... The reason that my leg is stiff is because a year ago at this time of recording, mm. probably not when you're listening, no. but at the time of recording, a year ago today was when we went to the Iron House whiskey launch at the old paper mill in Burnie, and I got rather excited and broke my leg. <laughs> but um, tell you what, Ted, it was a cracking night. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yep. Yeah, so how's it feeling these days, Ted? Yeah, it's not too bad. Bit bit stiff. You don't know. And, uh, and my leg is also, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the movement isn't great either. But, um, um, yeah, but you don't sort of uh, look at that bottle of Tasman whiskey on the mm. shelf and get slightly a uh, bit of a pain in your no, leg there? No, no. Ankle it, region? It, it, does, it does actually help soothe, soothe it out. So, um, mm. what, yeah. You, you rub it in there like deep heat? Yeah, that's it. You just sort of splash it, splash a bit on your hand and give it a bit of a rub, yeah. and then also like massage your leg too. Mm-hmm. No, well maybe we'll have to drink some of it later as well. Yep. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Anyway, the one thing that you forgot to mention, Teddy Boy, is that uh, this is the Whiskey Waffle Podcast. And oh you, yes, you're listening to that. That's right. Yeah. And Hello. Uh, yeah, we are two fellas from Tasmania, Australia, waffling about well, not just Tasmania whiskey, but world whiskey as well. Yep, all around the world. One day, hopefully, we may even talk about galactic whiskey. Oh, can't maybe, wait. Maybe that, like... I'd beg sent something into space. Yeah, well, true. We could actually talk about that one. That, yeah. is, a, that is fair game. You've, but got maybe, a, you've got a bottle of Galileo, don't you, Ted? Huh, yeah, I wish. <laughs> I, missed, I missed out on it by a day. <laughs> this uh, is why you should always buy that bottle of whiskey on the shelf. When it's the last one, yep. just don't think, buy it. Maybe one day, uh, old mate Elon uh, will get some habitation going on Mars and... As we, as we know with uh, colonists, like um, in Australia, it's something that definitely happened. I assume it happened in America as well. Um, the first thing they like to do after establishing a, a colony and uh, overtaking the uh, native people in the area is build a still and yep. get cracking on uh, making some alcohol. Priorities, right? Yep. Yeah. So. Well, there we go. Well, it's certainly our priority tonight. So um, what can I say? But let's get waffling. Let's do it. The Waffle. Nick! Yes! I'm feeling crazy. <laughs> You're looking crazy. Um, the reason that Ted is crazy is because uh, we got some bottle killing today. Ooh. This, this could be a fun section of its own, but we're going to include it in the waffle tonight. <laughs> I'm um, mad! Why are, we, why are we crazy to be drinking these the dregs of these four bottles, Ted? Because... Four, four bottle kills in one night. That's that's a, that's, <laughs> that's pretty a, crazy. That's a fair effort. But crazy. Um, the other reason is that they're crazy casks. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm just sort of getting sort of like carpet seller or used car seller vibes <laughs> here. Yeah, and all four whiskies must go. Yep. Yeah, you have an interesting thought about uh about carpet warehouses, don't you, Ted? 
Yes, the or or rug warehouses. Yeah, more rug sellers. It's it's rug sellers, not carpet sellers. Yeah, rug sellers open. As soon as they open, they put a closing down fire sale, whatever sign in the window. <laughs> yep. Um, but the reason that we're closing these ones down in particular is because we actually have them left over from a, a tasting night that we ran last year sometime now. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. a crazy amount of time ago. So long ago. Yeah. Crazily before COVID. Oh, you know, PC rather than PC because it's pre and post. But <laughs> anyway, so we have these bottles left over from our crazy casks tasting. Um, and yeah, basically we wanted to find a bunch of different whiskies that had an interesting maturation life. So Nick, what makes these crazy? Well, what is normal? Yes, that's exactly it. That's a very good point. So, so bourbon would be the most common, especially for Scotland, but sherry is the traditional other famous one. Yep. And in Tasmania, port casking is very common as well. Yep. So we ruled out those three and instead we've got a variety here. Um, starting with probably the most normal for us Australians. Yeah. Um, and look, it is gaining popularity around the world mm. um, as well. It, it is because they're compared to some of the other sorts of barrels. I mean, bourbon, there's just heaps and heaps. But I, I would I would happily say that this, this barrel type is like the second, or it probably it's even more barrels around the world than mm. bourbon. Yeah, because it's red wine. That's it. Um, this is the Starwood Nova. Is it the Nova? It, I think it is Nova these days. It, it's an older bottle. Starwood rebranded, um, yeah. and they've got the Nova and the... Solera? Solera, yeah. So this one is just called the Starwood Wine Cask Single Malt Whiskey. And yeah, it spent a bit of time in Barossa Shiraz Barrels, if my memory serves. Maybe a few others thrown in there for good measure, but it's one of their core releases. David Vital, please send us a carrier pigeon if you disagree with what we're saying uh, this has been aged in. Yeah, no, but it's um, it's pretty easy to drink. I probably err on the side of the fence of the Solera, which is known as now the um, the Sherry Cask or Apera oh. Cask, but... This one's a bit drier. Yeah, uh, it's very, it's sort of very fruity, isn't it? Mm. Mm. This is the thing, um, you can't get this sort of fruit with just bourbon barrels. It's not going to happen. No. Um, this is yeah, hundred percent wine matured whiskey, and sometimes that can be a bit much. But in mm. this case, no, it's it's a it's a heavy spirit being mixed with a heavy wine barrel, and it produces this really flavoursome whiskey. Yeah, I mean. I feel that the finish is goes a bit dry and slightly edges in towards being a bit metallic. It's a bit tanniny, isn't it? Well, don't finish that one, Ted. Let's mm. um, let's grab some grab some of the next one. Yes, Nick. Let let us limbo underneath that limbo pole because we are heading to. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to do an accent because that I feel that's probably a bit a bit offensive. We're going to the Caribbean or the Caribbean. I've never quite known. Yeah, but no, don't do the accent, but grow some dreadlocks just Ooh, yes. um, just for this dram. I think you're more, more in the uh, dreadlock growing. Yeah, I haven't washed uh, my hair for a couple of days now, actually. Mm. So this is a Balvenie Caribbean cask, which has been matured in what sort of cask, Ted? Rum. That's crazy. But, Nick, mm. why is the rum always gone? <laughs> it's because it's so drinkable, this stuff. Mm. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have tried the Balvenie Caribbean cask before. Mm. Um, they, they actually tried a few different rum barrels before they've settled on this one and this is the one they've done for the last mm. few years and it's um yeah produces a very uh, I, I gotta say it it's tropical it's a funny flavor isn't it you know what i get and this is a power suggestion but i get bananas yeah i knew you were gonna say that mm. yeah mm. it's because i'm crazy i think there's also something a bit of and this is this is going to sound mad as opposed to all the other stuff we yeah. say that sounds completely sane 
There is there is something of crushed sugar cane in there. Well, okay, molasses, okay, the main ingredient of rum. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the power of suggestion is strong, people. Yeah, look, no, but I mean, it's it. where I'm getting with it is it like freshly crushed sugar cane. It's, it, it's got this sort of green, sweet greenness to it. Maybe that's maybe that's an underripe banana. Mm. I, I assume that rum isn't sort of confined. It's not like appellated. Yeah, you mainly think about it in terms of the Caribbean, but then again, tot of rum on the uh, British Navy ships. So mm. yeah, well, that's that's where it started. Mm. But yeah, here we are now discussing a whiskey that has been matured in the barrels that once contained rum, and it it works. Well, actually, int- it's an interesting uh, dovetail into the whole the whole rum and British Navy and stuff. The the word proof. Mm. So you know how in some parts of the world, mainly America, use the word proof yep. as a... Basically double ABV. Yep. So I believe, and pro- someone's probably going to come and say, Dear sir, I'm, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> I think today. once upon a time this was definitely true. Yeah, may- maybe. I, I do believe that the word proof comes from... They used to use rum as a... As like... It had to be of a high enough percentage of alcohol that it could ignite a small pile of gunpowder um and that and that would sh- that would show i suppose that it was a uh it was high enough high enough alcohol strength or something to And be- was that was that 100 proof? Yes, i believe that probably is 100 proof. Mm. I think that's not necessarily the 100 proof that the Americans use today but no. there definitely was 100 proof once that could could ignite gunpowder. All right then, on to whiskey number 3. Mm. Of our crazy tasting. Crazy! This one is one whiskey that you and I never really liked the first time we tried it. No. This is quite an early whiskey experience um, for us. And not a positive one. No. Oh, we've actually... That's that's not going to be a bottle kill, I don't think. I don't know. Okay. It's, probably, it's probably got a... Is there, is there much left. point leaving that? Oh, go on then. It's like we poured ourselves normal-sized drams for the first... Actually, that's quite a big dram. Yeah. That's right. There's no point leaving that other bit. Yes, this was an early one. I remember it quite clear, clearly. And this is one of the first sort of, I suppose, posh whiskies because I've, I've disliked cheap whiskies before. Mm. But this, I think, in my memory, this sticks as like the first posh whiskey that I ever thought, I don't really like that. Mm. And uh, it's from a distillery that we're a bit up and down with, but often down. Well, see, I think we've had a biased opinion of this distillery ever, ever since, since that, this dram. Because that was the first time we tried that distillery. Mm. And ever since then, we've kind of ignored it a bit because we were like, oh, I remember that one. I didn't really like it. Mm. And of course, we have had a positive experience with this distillery too. <laughs> but that's a story for another day. Yes. We are talking about Glen Morangy. Yes. Dr. Bill Lumsden's uh, passion. Mm. And um, one of their well they do a lot of cask finishes and they've all got fancy names it's really hard to remember which is which this one is called nectar door nectar door which D- means or well nectar of, apostrophe or nectar of gold golden nectar, nectar. yeah which you know it's appropriate name um this one has been finished in another type of wine cask mm. nick tell me what is sauternes ah now sauternes is white wine which is traditionally quite sweet not quite sort of Moscato levels, but certainly a dessert wine sort of thing. And I really think that that imparts a sweetish character to this whiskey. I feel that it's quite sort of perfumed almost. Mm. It's like... A bit floral. Yeah. Rose petals. Um, and it absolutely like... is quite delicate on the nose. Yeah. it's Look, 
I think we gave this one a bad rap back in the day because yeah, it's better than what we said. Palettes hadn't developed enough. It's not. It's not my everyday style that I like. It's a bit. It is slightly a bit on the sweet side for my liking. But in saying that, it's actually quite good. It's. Mm. It would be a really good classic example of Speyside if it wasn't over in the <laughs> in the Highlands. Exactly. Well, we got one more bottle kill to go. Knock down something, Ted, so you got a spare glass. So this one is from an island, not an Ireland, mm. but an island, and it's not from a uh, Antipodeal island like we are. It's this is a really interesting one. So what region is the Isle of Arran from? Well, that's a very good question because it, it is an island, but it's. Is it islands mm. in the context of uh, Scottish whiskey regions? So islands, kind of, you'd generally refer it as like the the, the sort of the Hebridean Islands, the ones that mm. are sort of off, off, off the, the north northwest. So everything kind of north e- northeast north and east of uh, Isla. Mm. And you know, what another really funny and lesser known fact is the islands aren't an official whiskey region. They're part of the Highlands. Yeah. Well, the Highlands and Islands are sort of lumped together. And Aaron is definitely not Highlands. No, it's it's very much... you. It's kind of... You'd call it Lowlands. Exactly. I think if you're going to lump it with a mainland, you'd lump it with the Lowlands. But yeah, um, if you know the answer to what region um, Aaron is in, please uh, please write to us via Carapigeon or just whiskeywaffle at gmail.com. No, oh, now, Nick. Yes. Thing, thing that we haven't mentioned. What's that? What's What's the crazy cask in this? Mm, that's a very good point. We've got distracted from our MO. So the Crazy Cask is the finishing wine that has been used. And this is another Italian wine, mm. but it's not a sweet white. No, this is dry as balls. Yep, and it's red. So this is, and I always get this wrong, Amarone. 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 It's a very, very dry red that yeah. sort of puckers your mouth up I think indeed it's, high alcohol often and um, there's a there's a um, actually there's a uh, song called Isle of Arran by Loyal Karna which I quite like excellent excellent mm. yeah so the whiskey content on this section has been really strong tonight um, no so there are four crazy casks we had a couple more in the night but um, a lot of wine casking in this section so what Ted would be your pick of the four what was your consumer advice for you to go out and buy one of these four whiskies because they're all still available what would you go for? You know what? Mm. You know what? I actually quite like the Aaron. Yep. I think I think it's it's dry, but it's not too dry. Um, it's got a nice sort of balance in the in the flavour there. The Nectar Dior is, I like it, but it's not it's not really my style. It's it is a bit sweet. The rum casks, I, I always like the Balvenie for something different. And the Starwood, I think it's just not quite got there's enough balance in there quite. I've always liked the Aaron, the Amarone cask. What is it? Did I get it right? Amarone. I got it right. Um, I've always liked that one, but tonight I'm really liking the Caribbean cask, the rum. I, I thought you would say that one as well. That I'm was the just, one I'm I just was, feeling it. That was the one that I was predicting that you would like. You were leaving it to me, weren't you? It doesn't have as much body as some of the wine mature whiskies, but just pleasant. Mm, it's easy it, to knock look, back. The wine, I will say that the wine ones had a very different flavor to the rum. Hmm. Crazy, I know. It's crazy. We haven't slipped in crazy enough for yeah, the last yeah. little while. My name's Ted and I'm crazy for whiskey. That works for me. So there are crazy casks, but there are so much more crazy casks out there. Like, what have you seen? Like, what have you tried before in your life, Ted? What crazy casks have you also had? Uh, we've had cognac um, before. That one's always been 
Mm. There's a lot of, yeah. I mean, we've got a, a, a Talabardine down there, which is a mixture of, as well as bourbon and port, yep. it's also got some uh, Madeira. Yep. Um, it's got um, sherry, and it's also got Chateauneuf de Pape. I've read wine from the south of yeah, France. Yeah, the, um, there's the, that green spot, Lovell Barton D whatever. Yeah, just, um, if it's French wine, yeah, you can yeah. say the appellation, and it yeah. sounds really probably but fancy. The Probably the craziest cask I've ever tried in my life, and you've tried it too, mm. and it wasn't quite whiskey at that point. Oh, maybe it was, and they were just leaving it a bit longer to finish. Mm, can't remember. But it was a... Uh, it was a... Christmas pudding jus cask. <laughs> yeah, that's, true. That's it had J- just finished. Yeah, yeah J- J-U-S, um, as in like a, a red wine sauce. Yeah. Um, so this this was um, this came out as Lark's uh, 2019 Christmas release, um, Lark Distillery in Tasmania. They had got their hands on from a, a local winery some barrels which had been used to hold a sort of a mince mince pie Christmas. Mince pie Christmas jus. It's like a really sweet mulled wine type yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. that was used to make mince pies for Christmas. Yeah, spi- spiced wine. Spiced wine, yeah. That they'd barrel aged. <laughs> and then Lyca got hold of the barrels and it was, it was weird. It was proper weird. It was sweet. It was like a liqueur. But spicy. Mm. And it, yeah, it tastes like Christmas. Can't deny it. Could not deny that. <laughs> yeah. So keep an eye out for some random releases. What's the craziest cask you've ever tried? Yes, please mount that carrier pigeon, mm. not yourself, with a letter, um, <laughs> and send it over to us. Yeah, and- or stick in the comments on the Insta post or on Twitter. Mm. Facebook. We always like hearing from you. Yes, you. So interjecting here. I interject. Thank you, Ted, for that good interjection there. So you're a quality interjector. Just before we go on to our whiskey review for the episode, I'm just going to recap something we mentioned in the last episode because really excitingly, we've got a few Patreons jumping on board, Ted. Hooray! So we set up this Patreon to sort of help us out a little bit with the, um, the hosting costs of running a podcast, but also to create a little inner circle of wafflers. And um, in return, we've been providing them with the goods. Absolutely. We all the, have all the OKs. stacks and stacks and boxes and trunks and chests of goods. Yes, indeed. Um, the very first uh, very first Faints Club episode went out and people were entertained by that. Um, the full interview with Mark Littler is up on our Patreon for those people that are in the right tier. And um, even a little thing or two might be going out in the post quite soon, I think, Ted. Absolutely. Mm. But... The most important thing that we need to do is induct the official wafflers, because a few people have signed up at the official waffler level or higher. And so, we induct the following people to verbalise verbosely and pontificate purposefully. Reza Arab, Gerd Petzold, Alexander Finlater, Owen McWilliam, and David Puddy. Or is it Puddy? Yep. Dave, please get in touch. Yes, no, I think that we're obliged to pronounce people's names wrong. I think that's generally the way that it works. Um, so thank you to those people. Thank you to the other people that signed up at a lower level as well. Um, it's really exciting to have that sort of level of support and uh, produce more content for you guys. And if Patreon's something that you guys might be interested in helping us out with, go on to patreon.com slash whiskeywaffle. Check out the tiers. A certain tier, the Drinking Buddy tier, there's a couple of Drinking Buddies that we've got on there, will be receiving a gift in the post, a little dram of the Review Whiskey. Here's hoping it arrives safely and soon. <laughs> yep. Um, so if you do indeed have it, pour it into your glass now because it's time for... The Whiskey. So, Wafflers, recently there was a bit of a to-do. Bit of a fracas. 
a kerfuffle. Mm. Mm. A, um, I've run out of reporter adjectives. I've run out of synonyms. Yeah. So Archie Rose, that great Sydney um, distillery, recently, and we we've talked about their rye whiskey on here before. We have, but recently they had their first single malt. Yes, uh, now, come out. Archie Rose. I've got to give them credit because they have built up the hype train like Ooh. no one else. Yep. Everyone was dead keen. I mean, and look, to be fair, the packaging is stunning. Oh, it is. It's, it's almost like it's hard to review the whiskey without taking into account that box. That hexagonal box is mm. beautiful. They're doing it re- well. It Marketing really team, is. Multiple ticks. Yeah. Yep. But back back to the hype train. Yep. We all we like they they build it up into like um, Japanese Shinkansen level <laughs> hype train, and doing that they put the first release out to ballot. Yep, and they do this regularly for their whiskies. They they do a ballot because they don't know how much interest is going to be, and they don't want to discriminate and just only let the rich people buy it. And credit to them. The problem was well, I mean it's not a problem. This is this is ju- it's this a good is, problem to have. It's a good problem to have. The, so we we jumped on the ballot and we got our wives to vote yeah. in the ballot too and yeah. we did we know the whiskey lots of friends that also got friends and things. I mean, we we like to claim that we've got friends and things at any rate. We've got internet friends. <laughs> yep. Um. Mm. Anyway, everyone sort of jumped in the ballot and the day came and everyone was excited. Christmas morning for our. We're all going down to check our stockings. So we all went for a rummage around in our sacks, <laughs> <laughs> and after that we checked our emails. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and everyone who we knew started moaning and bitching because, oh, I haven't managed to get an Archie Rose. What? I haven't got one either. Uh, yeah, it was it was a great day. So anyway, <laughs> I, I, we we've got a bit of a group group thread going on um, WhatsApp, um, and I uh, just chucked up a. Um, a message to the guy saying, oh, any, anyone had any luck with the Archie Rose ballot? And one after the other, they're all like, oh, no, checked, nothing. No, nah, not me. Checked the whiskey waffle one. No. Nah. And then eventually Nick was like, oh, none of us have all got one. None of our friends have got yeah. one. None of our friends' friends have got one. Yeah. Has anyone got one? And then I just cheekily put out on there, I didn't actually say that I hadn't got a bottle. Yeah, Ted was playing with his food. Oh, yes. It was glorious. And the reaction from him was like, what? I don't. I still don't know how you managed to get one, Ted. Like, out of everyone I know, you were the only person I know that got one. Which is good because you get to share it with me, as we are doing tonight. Yep. No, that, that was always going to happen. Yeah, look, I literally, I think I saw it first thing in my emails or something. There was a reminder somewhere like, oh... Actually, I know it was a it was on a face one of the Australian whiskey Facebook groups. Someone was like, "Oh, it's Archie Rose Day! Don't forget to check your emails." And then, like, people would and everyone was complaining because no one got one, except the person who posted that. And I just jumped on. This was first thing in the day, and I was like, "Ah, oh, look at that! I won one." Mm. And this was just like, assuming that everyone else had yeah, got one as well. I was assuming like, "Oh, Nick's probably going to get one. Our friends are going to get one." <laughs> Turns out. No, that was definitely not the case. And I I suddenly sort of everyone had their laser targets on me and I was like, but but can't I just like have my bottle and sort of drink it myself? And everyone's like, no, you must share this. <laughs> so Ted's got his bottle and he has begun sharing it, to be fair. Loyal Wafflers, he is sharing it with me. Yes. And anyway, that's a bit of context, but let's talk about the whiskey itself because there's some interesting ingredients going on, right? 
Yes. Now, this is this is where we're starting to get in, into the conversation. Mm. Is Archie Rose merely sort of all good-looking packaging, or does it have merit to it as an actual whiskey as well? Well, that is the question we've got to answer, isn't it? But yes. We'll, we'll answer that yes. at the end. Now, we... We will answer that in the end, but that plays this plays into it. So we get into the ingredients. Ingredients. Um, um, so malt, water, yeast. Done. Yes. Cool. Moving on. But no. What? There are malts, and then there are malts. Oh. <laughs> so subspecies. Archie Rose, like usually when we talk about a, sing- a single malt whiskey, it's like, well, it's a single malt whiskey. They've used I don't know <laughs> Westminster or something, and they've yeah. malted and chucked it in, and that's it. But no, Archie Rose. Because because they're from Sydney, yeah, and they have nice packaging and stuff. They have to be hipster about this. Of course they do. Fair enough. They have not just used one malt, sort of malt in there. They've it's used all two. Of, no, three. No, seven hundred. It's it's a number somewhere between <laughs> one and seven hundred. All right, how many Ted? Uh it's six. Six. Six different sorts of malt. Um, so, Nick, you, you're a fan of malt. Would you like to talk about the different sorts? Yeah, you- okay. So, um, pale malt, I'm assuming is yep. part of it, some sort of two-row, what, whatnot. Um, so, some sort of caramel malt, say a crystal of some sort. Yes, you're correct. Um, so, what else? What other types of malt we got? So, there's, there's this different, um, some sort of aromatic thing. Yep. Okay, and now I'm getting to a chocolate malt. There's a dark one. Correct. What about <sighs> roasted malt? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not roasted. Uh, black pattern, something really dark. Or? Yeah. Well, so chocolate. Um, there's amber in there. Oh, amber. Yeah. Okay. Something yeah. in the middle. Yeah. And there's another sort of one in there as well, just to add a little bit of kick into the end. Um, size ten boot malt. Yeah. Well, I don't know how you get these. Um, no, it's peated. They've got some peated in here. Of yeah. So, so just to just to go back over the act the actual mash bill that they use, pale crystal, aromatic roasted chocolate. Peated and amber malts. There you go. So, just just to take a step aside for people who might not understand all this, what does that actually mean? Well, I mean, you've got to you've got to sort of cook the malt to stop the malting process at some point. Generally, you do it to sort of light level. But if you're if you're a brewer, you like accessing some really dark ones as well, just to add some of those sort of um, roasted coffee aromas in there. And and they all come in different colours, like sort of from sort of pale brown to sort of almost black. But Generally, that's not used by whiskey makers. They just go the pale ones yeah, every just day of the week. Get some malt, yeah. throw it in. Um, and so, what? What's sort of what do you think the thinking behind this is? What's what? What is the point of? I think they're trying to create a new flavor. Yeah, it's it's they're using... trying to create their own flavor. They're trying mm. to create something really unique. Ugh, you are the worst. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Six different malts. Mm. And what about the casking? Okay. Oh, yeah. We must mention that as well. That's, so that's a fairly significant part of the flavour. Yeah. We. How much influence the different sort of malts used over is still sort of out to the jury. Like, not yeah. not many places really go down that line. So we probably need more things to compare against in terms of that. In terms of barreling, though, that's where we're on much more traditional ground. So, uh, in terms in terms of barreling, this uses mostly. Um, Exapera casks, so that's okay, Australian sherry. sherry. Matured predominantly in 100, 200, and 300 litre uh, Australian Apera sherry casks. So, um, and that that's interesting because different cask sizes mature at different times. Mm. And so some of, like, you'd think that maybe the 300 litres must have been going for a, a reasonable amount of time yeah. to be able to get them to an age where they're not just going to taste like new spirit. And also... 
maybe Sydney, the climate up there, is driving the casks harder than they would down here, perhaps. Mm. It says it's mostly sherry, but they also have some ex-bourbon casks in there. They've got some of their ex-rye casks And they've got some of their ex-rye. So, as we mentioned before... Uh, Archie Rose makes a rye, which we... A good rye. Yeah, yeah, really excited about. Well, we should talk about what it smells and tastes like, I think, because that's what pretty much everyone's here for. Um, everyone was excited about your waking up on Christmas morning to find that you actually won the ballot story, but because they, they didn't get a bottle, remember, what they really want to hear is, yeah. what does this actually taste like? What, what does it smell like? That's where we should start. Let's have a good old sniff. It's got its own nose. It's interesting and it's different and it's... I... It's... it's Okay. Let's talk about maybe what's not in start. It's not sweet. It's not sweet? It's not It's not sweet. It's also not hugely fruity. It's not really fruity, is it? It's more... I'm going with like crackers, like dry biscuits and sort of... Mm, it's a, it's a much more sort of... Maybe, maybe this is the influence of the malts. Maybe it's a much more malt-driven nose mm. and you're getting more of... And it's got spices in there too. Yeah. Sort of like, yeah, Dutch. What is it? Stroopwafel. We're trying to think of this the other day. Oh, yeah, that's right. Stroopwafel. So a bit of ginger, you reckon? Yeah. I'm also going a bit of like maple syrup, but not like in a sweet way. I think I potentially get a little bit of menthol in there as well. Mm. Like um, sort of eucalyptus-y. Maybe, maybe not menthol per se. It's, it's, like, it's like the Australian bush. It's like a, that sort of a bit of smell of sort of earth and um, wood and <laughs> flies. <laughs> uh, no, not flies. not not flies, but yeah, and that sort of yeah, the smell of the eucalypts in the air and things. And yeah. I'm also du- getting a hints of um, sort of roasted coffee sort of smells. Mm, roasted coffee is a good one. It's yeah, I, I as I said, I think I think what it's not is sweet or fruity. It's much yeah drier and savoury. It it doesn't leap out of the glass and smack you in the face. It's it's fairly delicate. Mm-hmm. We better better have a taste. Mm. Dry again. Yeah, but there is fruit now, but it's sort of sour fruit. Mm. There is a sourness to the back. Mm. Maybe a hint of salt. Yeah. On the finish. Bit of leather, leather and tobacco in there. Oak, uh, wood flavors in there. Yeah. Still no no particular sweetness in there, though. No. But it's not, like, unpleasantly drying. It doesn't, like, feel like you're drinking the Sahara right now. No. Although, that would be quite a feat. <laughs> what about the finish? The finish, it's not it's not that long. No. It, it does tail off fairly quickly. Mm. Bit of spice in there still. But for me, if what their aim was was to set out to create their own flavour, they've created their own flavour. Mm. Oh, absolutely. This doesn't. Okay, let's compare this to another Australian to other Australian whiskies. This this is not a Tasmanian like one of those oh, heavy, no. oily Tasmanian sort fortified of- wine fruit. No, nah, not at all. If I was to make a comparison, and this is not a comparison that many of our listeners are going to really appreciate, because you have to try some really random Australian distilleries, but it's like a combination between Adams and Tim Boone. Okay. That is an interesting comparison. I know. Not many people are going to get what I'm talking about here. but <laughs> Do you think this is a whiskey that is reflective of its sort of its location? Like, do you, do you think this is a Sydney whiskey? I don't think it is a Sydney whiskey. I think there's a bit more sort of country to it than a bit more bush. Yeah, no. So 
so would would a would a Sydney whiskey be a bit more zesty and bright and sort of at least in my mind, funky. yeah. But pff, I don't live in Sydney, so do you live in Sydney? If so, guess. does this make you think of a Sydney whiskey? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with you on the bush thing, though. It's like as we're talking about, I think I still get a bit of that menthol on the on the palate as well. It's, it's like what I was talking about before. It's sort of dry grass and sort of dry earth, eucalypt sort of waving in the in the hot breeze. Sort of, yes, that sort of spiciness of the natural spiciness of the bush. The the question we need to answer ourselves, is Archie Rose all marketing? I mean, their marketing is excellent. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm going to give them five stars for marketing. Oh, yeah. Uh, hands, hands down, it is one of the best looking bottles and boxes in Australia. Yeah. And look, one thing that we must throw into the mix in this as well, on top of that. So this is a so it's forty six percent. Yep. Worth knowing. It's seven hundred mils. Hey, that's what we like. And yeah. cost me about hundred and twenty bucks. What? For Australian whiskey. Yeah. And that's that's part of the reason why I think that there is enough to this that it's it's not just the marketing. I think there is an interesting whiskey here. I think there are some curious flavors, and they're being offered at a reasonable price. Sure, they're, they're a big distillery. They can they can charge whatever they want. They can charge 200 They can charge 100 They can charge 700 People just snap it up. But they've put themselves at this price range because they want to be tasted by a group of people. I think there's more going on than just marketing. I think mm. they're trying to create a seminal Australian product, and it's happening. The only thing really for me that we really need to do is give it a score. I think I'm going to go out there and give it a solid three stars. I've, I've got to play it safe with a three, I think, because I think they're only going to get better. Mm. And yet they've captured some unique flavors, or Justin and I, Ted, some very unique flavors that <laughs> that I've not really discovered in a whiskey before. And they've really balanced... What they've done is they've balanced some different whiskey flavors. Mm-hmm. They brought in some flavors that we're not used to trying, and they balanced them quite nicely. And that is an impressive effort. Lead on, brave leader. Co-leader. <laughs> uh, it's a very flat team structure. Waffle, waffle, waffle in with. So this episode on... Wi- That's a really good start. So this episode on Waffling With, we're really excited for for both Jane and Mark Sawford because we're congratulating them on the reacquisition. Overeem has come home! Yeah, so anyway. people, people may not recognise the name Sawford, but they would definitely recognise the name Overeem. Um, so last time we were here, we were talking to you guys as Sawford Whiskey and looking at your adventure ahead, but since oh. then you've taken a... Yeah, there's been a massive development in your life. So, yeah, tell, tell us all about, yeah, sort of... What's happened in the last yeah. 12 months? Yeah. Gosh, yeah, well, majority of it's happened in the last three months. Yeah, that's right. First of July, we took over. Um, yeah, so we've had an extremely busy couple of months, but a really fun couple of months. Yeah. So just rolling all the new ovarian barrels back into our original Bond store was a really... Special occasion. Um, we've been decanting heaps of barrels um, and obviously bottling and selling a lot as well in the last couple of months. Yep. Um, Dad's been back here almost every day that we've been at work. He, he only left a few hours ago and he's been busy bottling down in the in the bond store. So yeah. 
That's been really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we got approached back in December last year, really, by the um, AWH group. Um, yep. And uh, they, they sort of pitched it to us as to whether or not we'd be interested in, um, in purchasing the Overeem brand uh, uh, back, uh, along with uh, X amount of stock. And, and upon pretty much quick consideration, we sort of... Uh, um, jumped we, at it. <laughs> we sort of jumped at the opportunity. It really worked well. We sort of uh, really fitted into our strategy. Uh, uh, and, and yeah, so that sort of process took six to seven months and, mm. and settlement took place on the 1st of July. Yeah. We, we were talking with um, Chris Thompson earlier today. He, he was like over the moon. Like he was super enthusiastic that you guys were able to take back. He said, Overing is back with its people. Yeah. Like it, it, he was just thrilled that you guys were able to take it back over. So that, yeah, it's really exciting. To Have you noticed a lot of, um, yeah, this sort of level of enthusiasm and, and happiness that, yeah, Overing is back with you guys now? Oh, yeah, we, um, yeah, we've had so many great comments from people and, um, yeah, a lot of places just said, oh, yeah, can't wait to start buying it again. Now it's back in family hands. So that's been really cool. Yeah, so you are selling Overeem bottles, the ones that are coming out now are yeah. US. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so it did, it did sort of, um, yeah, being able to buy the brand back sped everything up a little bit for us because we were a couple of years away from releasing our whiskey. Mm -hmm. um, but everything that we got back, um, all the ovarian barrels that we got back from Australian whiskey holdings were all coming to age, yeah. you know, so they were all ready to start decanting and, yeah. and bottling. Coincidentally, it's all the stock that, um, pretty much 90% of the stock that we, uh, that we acquired as part of the uh, acquisition was Made in Casey's Bond store. Like, I'm oh, sorry, Casey's, Casey's Distillery, the original yeah. Overeem Stillhouse. You know, yeah. sort of. Uh, and if anyone knows Casey, knows that nothing went on in that Stillhouse without him knowing about it. Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's all, all all the stock that we've got at the moment that we're releasing is all very very Overeem, and it's got Casey's fingerprints all over. Yeah, it, so yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And we we are we should just say, of course. Uh, podcasting is a very visual medium, so yeah, of course everyone can um, see exactly what we're doing. We're, we are actually standing. So where, where we previously um, stood last year, there wasn't really much that much in here, but now no. um, in in uh, Sawford Distillery, um, we're uh, surrounded by Overeem barrels. Um, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. We've actually changed the name of Sawford Distillery mm. now to Overeem Distillery. Yes. So everything well, that was formerly Sawford is now Overeem. We were going to, yeah, we were wondering what would happen with that. Yeah, yeah. Big yep. question that we've talked about before. That, sure. Yeah, what happens to Sawford? Um, well, now? we can clarify, I suppose. That, I mean, we, let's face it, we were, we were making Overeem single malt whiskey previously anyway. With, mm. with, and the strategy was that because Overeem is exclusively single cask, yeah. We were going to get them, uh, probably venture down the lines of more marriages and more finishes and cast finishes, yeah, uh, so and triple casks and so forth. But uh, yeah, it was still going. It was still the Overeem recipe, yeah. but we were going to change it up so that yeah, we weren't the same as Overeem. Yeah, post maturation yeah. and marry casks. Um, but now that it is all going to be released as Overeem, yeah. um, we'll yeah. release them as single casks yeah. and follow the same model. Yeah. So last last year when we were here, we tried the Salford whiskey and it was like 
fantastic. It yeah. Is, it was, what, how old was it then? It was, it was, it was a hundred litre cast that was only maybe two years. Yeah. And it just become, just come of age, but not ready to release. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't the first one either, because the first one you guys said that you dipped into too much. So we had yeah. to go to number two. Yeah. And number two was exceptional as well. But yeah. I, I'm actually thinking, yeah, some of the reasons that we were so positive about it is because we've been such fans of Overeem. Yeah. Sure. Maybe so similar ethos. The yeah. future of that whiskey is Overeem then. So I, I've, I've partly wondered, so I, I think if maybe Glenn Farkless and maybe Sawford could come out as like a family release or something to so the stuff that you've barreled now that was originally Sawford. Yeah, maybe, maybe that could come out as like a special edition family yeah. cask release or something. That There's definitely things we can look at. Like, yeah. it, we, we haven't closed the door on anything at the moment. Yeah. So, uh, and especially uh, while you're still waiting for that stuff to mature out. Absolutely. There's no rush absolutely. to make those decisions. Yeah, yeah. so we, um, yeah, we won't... We won't We'll, we'll still revisit all these sort of options in a couple of years' time once those cars reach maturation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But no, I, th- I think you guys can be exceptionally proud of... Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a complete sort of, I suppose, life change what's happened just in recent times. But from what we've seen, what we've tasted, you guys can be so proud of what you have done to date in this in this place now as... Yeah, as Mark and Jane sort of together. Yeah, that's nice, thank you. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Overeem has always been one of our absolute um, sort of favourite distilleries anywhere in the world, not just Tasmania. Um, And so having, yeah, having those two elements come together, I think it really paints a positive uh, picture for the future. Definitely. That's awesome, yeah. And is the, is the way forward the same as the previous sort of um, model single for Overeem? Are we still going to be seeing single cast 700ml Overeems or are you going to be changing things up a bit now? No, we'll still go, we'll, we'll still be definitely 700s, always 700s. Yeah. We, might, we might look at, we are looking at doing a 200ml bottle uh, just for yeah. Uh, um, oh, certain, yeah. Yeah, for certain. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool actually. It's mm. We'll get that next year. Yeah, um, it's platforms. a little Overeem replica. replica. Oh, 200 cool. mil with a little yeah. canister. Yeah. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that'll yeah. be great to. So as far as single casks go, though, we, um, we, I mean, logistically, it may not be um, as possible moving forward. The scale, mm. the volume we've got to release yeah. everything in single cask, the way we settle because we don't chill filtrate, mm. um, it, 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 it may prove problematic. So we may have to look at doing some larger marriages and, uh, yeah. and, and, and look into those sort of areas. Mm. It will be predominantly single cask. Yeah, that'll be yeah. Yeah. still our. Um, yeah, a, 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 good, a good problem that Overeem has always had is it's always been oversold. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, every release is pretty much like gone so before. So quickly, it. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, no. Well, thank you very much, um, Mark and Jane, for having a chat with us today. We're super excited that, yeah, Overeem has returned to its to its home, that, yeah, it's back, back in family hands. That's, yeah, we can't wait to, you know, Pick up the next um, bottle of port cast strength or whatever comes out yeah, from nice. over in this. Yeah. Cool. yeah, and who knows? Maybe in the future we'll be seeing some um, some third generation over rooms. Um, yeah, our well, boys will love it. They already yeah. love it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they love wandering around the bond stores and uh, sniffing our whiskies. <laughs> they're, they're big fans already. So. Yeah, yeah, good for them. Yeah. Oh well, thanks very much, you guys. Thanks for stopping thanks, in. Thanks, guys. Really yeah. appreciate it. Uh, worked out perfectly. Thanks. Interjection here, we had lunch at a place and some mm. stupid old lady in front of me. <laughs> I was about to get like a uh, apple and rhubarb turnover, which looked delicious. And Turn this over. woman rocked up just in front of me as I got to the counter and said, 
oh, I'll just have the last two to take home. And I was like, no! <laughs> anyway, interjection over. Whiskey, would you rather? Okay, so Ted, whiskey, would you rather? To still be able to buy the Lagavulin 16 for around about $85, or still be able to buy the Glenlivet 12-year-old for around about $50. $85. Oh, that's that's the that's the cheaper end. Jeez, it's been a while. So well, like, like, eighty-five, ninety, you know. Yeah, like, well, I mean, it's just, it just it takes me back to it, the, those heady, youthful days when <laughs> Lagavulin could be sourced for. When, when did you find that um, bottle of Lagavulin? Greensboro Woolworths bottle shop. <laughs> Amazing. And Seventy-nine. Much, Seventy-nine dollars for yep. a bottle of. Right. So we we know what's happening currently in the world of. Diageo land, um, and they're trying to supplant the noble institute of the Lagavulin <laughs> 16 with the dirty eight-year-old. Boo. Boo! I mean, uh, in saying that, it's, 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 like, it's not bad. Well, it actually does taste a bit dirty, like it's tasting though. Legit. And as we always say, peach does good things to young whiskey. But should it be trying to replace the like of all our 16. beloved 16 year old oh and the thing is in recent times the 16 has gone up to about 130 dollars a pop in yeah, australian of course australian yeah um now the glenlivet 12 i have i was actually eyeing off my bottle earlier tonight yeah i've got you, one sitting in there too you, we both we went and bought it at the same time so glenlivet in their infinite wisdom <laughs> got rid of for a short period, got rid of the 12-year-old in favour of the incredible taste sensation. <laughs> I, I mean, I cannot speak highly enough of this <laughs> phenomenal whiskey. The Glenlivet Founders Reserve. The best whiskey in the entire world. Shall we go again? Boo! Boo! Yep. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's woeful. It's one of the most... It's not even a bad whiskey. It's a disappointing it's whiskey. So disappointing. It's been quite a long time since I've had any Glenlivet Twelve. Mm. But I'm used to be able to buy it for about fifty bucks. Yes, not these days. Mm-hmm. What did we get ours for? It was probably about we seven, paid about sixty something. Yeah, but it's still available. One hundred and twenty. One hundred and twenty. One hundred and twenty. One hundred and twenty. I know. For a Glenlivet Twelve. I know. But which would you rather, Ted? Oh, no. mate, mate. Yeah. Like of all in sixteen, like yeah, yeah. eighty bucks any day of the year. Yeah, I will take that. I will chug it down. <laughs> I will throw the bottle over my shoulder, and then I'll pick another one up <laughs> and get into that as well. Yep. Far out. Fair enough. Well, me on the me, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take a different tact. So on a normal night, me personally, even though I'm quite a peat head, I, I I'm a bit like I can't just drink peat for the entire night. So, maybe what I need is a really cheap, good 12-year-old whiskey, and then maybe a really fancy, expensive Peter one at the end. Mm. So, maybe the Lagavulin 16, even though it's stupidly expensive at $130, although I think maybe maybe Diageo are waking up to the fact it's worth that much. Yeah, I was about to say, mm. you say it's stupidly expensive, is it actually just worth that much, and we've yeah. been getting it for... Far too cheap for a few years. Whereas, considering they're charging bloody $120 for a Glenlivet 
12 euro these days. That's ridiculous. That's almost Japanese prices. No, that's stupid. I think that the Glenlivet maybe maximum is $60, whereas maybe maximum of this maybe maximum of the 16 year old for me in terms of value is 120 125. Mm. I'm not going to pay $120 for a Glenlivet 12. No. But I probably would pay 130 for a Lagavulin like, 16. So I pine for the days where I could get a just reliable mm. 12-year-old Glenlivet. You make a good case here. But- yeah. In terms of the inflation value that NAS has put their strain on, I'd say Glenlivet is stupid, whereas Lagavulin is not reasonable, but it's understandable. Yes. But... <clears throat> Tricky, yeah. tricky times, tricky times, listeners. Also, what, what also want do? to present a present a contrary argument. Yes, but what, what? Yeah, what would you do? What would you do? Scruffy carrier pigeon by the neck, whack a letter on it and send it to us. Or alternatively, hit us up on uh, Instagram or Twitter or our Facebook, and yeah, let us let us know what you would do in this situation. This is in our current climate. Uh, bottles are increasing in value. Yes. No, that was the last one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I I knew that it was a similarity there. Ah, uh, Nick. What's that? I have persistent. <laughs> Nick. Yes. I have persistent droop. You have persistent droop. Why? Right. That's yeah. uh, some serious droop. No, my microphone keeps falling over. It's not very good. I, I think you need to adjust your legs. I possibly do because, um, well, your legs look pretty comfortable up there on the table. Yep. No, that's, that's, that's how we do it around here. Keep kicking the legs back. You're not going anywhere, Ted. You look very comfortable. No, it's been a great night. I've, I've enjoyed sort of sitting back, drinking some drams, yep. talking some smack. Oh, there's been a lot of smack talks. And I hope people at home have also enjoyed either A... Drinking some drams, or B, talking some smack, or C, all of the above. Yep. No, it's, it's been a good time. I hope you've found our uh, topics informational, revealing. Controversial. Controversial. But most of all, thank you for listening. We, we, enjoy, we enjoy hearing from you. Please, please if you have, have a, a sort of a, an issue from our um, podcast that you need to raise... And tell us about it in great detail because, dear sir, I am very disappointed that you talked about such and such <laughs> like this. Please, please tell us because we we will happily mention you on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So get in touch. But at the moment, it's just Ted and I, and a couple of microphones and some some spilt whiskeys that have fallen soaked onto the into the carpet. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> All right. This is us signing off for now. My name is Ted, and my name is Nick. We love you. As friends. As w- fellow wafflers. As fellow wafflers. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a brand of brothers and sisters for, forged in a in common love of the amber spirit. Mm. And also lust. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wag- waggling my eyebrows suggestively at yeah. you. And until we can follow that up some more, keep on waffling. And good night. Good night.
Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. This is going to sound mad. As opposed to all the other stuff we say that sounds completely sane.